0: Hi friends, welcome to the Bible Project daily podcast. And the project is to work through the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. A huge thanks to each and every one of you who have made a commitment to make the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of your daily lives. And if you're here for the first time, then why not consider making a commitment to join us along with tens of thousands of others on this journey as we work together through the Word of God. And if you are here for the first time, let me just point out that the, if you click through to the and have a look at the episode notes of this podcast, you'll find links there to a full transcript of everything I say in each and every episode, which is entirely copyright free in the public domain for you to use whatever way you want. And there's also links there to other ways that you can connect with my teaching and my ministry. So you are very welcome as we join together, picking up. Our study in the Gospel of Matthew. Hi friends, we're at an important point today. We're closing off this section, often popularly referred to as the Beatitudes, where we've been considering together how to gain the blessings of God by looking at these particular characteristics, attributes, that God would wish us to develop and the blessings we'll get if we pursue that and live that way. Now, it's important as we close off that up to this point, we've been looking at this in things that are referring to internal righteousness that's what Jesus has been talking about so far but now things as he closes off this section which is really an introduction to the whole Sermon on the Mount things take a change of direction because what he says well let's let's read it what he says is this Matthew 5 reading verses 10 to 12 blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great reward is in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. All right, clearly the people described here who are going to receive the blessings are those who are being persecuted Now we know what that means generally, but we need to focus on what Jesus points out for us are the two reasons, the two main reasons why people are in fact persecuted. Firstly, he says it's for righteousness sake in verse 10. And secondly, he says it's for my sake in verse 11. That's always the pattern of persecution of Christian believers. If you try and do or say what is right, that's enough for some people to try and put you down. And if you try and credit Jesus for your motivation or your reason for what you do, they will put you down even more. If you do what is right today, then your very presence can be just a source of irritation for people. A very simple illustration of this as well, just try driving along the road at the correct speed on a single lane road, and just see how many people will come right up behind you and try and hassle you and press you into going faster. And you just know the feeling in the driver behind is, well, you're just an irritation to them. I heard a talk by a secular psychologist who helped people turn their lives around who were caught in the midst of addiction and the starting point for them was to say they should start to clean up their homes and the environment in which they lived and he recommended that they go out and try and improve the situation in which they lived not only for their benefit but in a way other people would benefit from it too. And he told the story of one young man who made the decision. He lived in a block of flats which was surrounded on four sides and there was a general area in the middle with a sort of courtyard. And he made a decision that he would go down there and he would begin to clean it up, pick up the rubbish, pick up the cigarette butts, pick up the detritus of addiction and also clean up the area a bit and plant a few flowers. And when the chap reported back for his weekly meeting with the psychologist he said the young man said you wouldn't believe the opposition and the anger I faced in his situation it came as a tack of why are you wanting to do this this is the area where we do our business the drug dealers were telling them this is our area to control why are you wanting to improve it and make it look better which quickly morphed into an attitude among some of his neighbors of why are you doing this do you think you're better than us isn't that interesting it seems to be ingrained into people that they will love the dark and hate the light but we'll come back to that later so they will persecute you sometimes just for trying to do the right thing but the other things Jesus says here is that they will persecute you for my sake today in the world many Christians are persecuted just for believing in Jesus Christ particularly if they proclaim that he is perhaps the only way in which someone can be made right with God and get to heaven. Well, that's what Jesus means here when he says, and he talks about them persecuting you for my sake. If you try and tell people that they should trust in Jesus, well, if you tell enough people, then uh, what I can definitely tell you is that people will start to say all kind of not so nice things about you or call you a hypocrite based on who you were before you were a believer. Matter of fact, Jesus says here that you're actually going to be reviled and maybe even falsely accused of things for his sake. Which means you could very well be mocked, sometimes even insulted, sometimes discriminated against and sometimes out and out persecuted. Now I'd just like to pause at this point for a second and ask a question. Do you remember what was the last beatitude in the series of beatitudes that we looked at? It was blessed be the peacemakers. Now he's following this by saying blessed be the persecuted. So I think it's reasonable to ask, is there any possible connection here? Well, interesting for me because I think the worst verbal attack that I ever received in my life, the most aggressive verbal, almost physical threatening attack that I received was when I was in a situation and I was attempting to make peace between two groups of people. A leader of one of these groups I was trying to reconcile with the other reeled against me personally for about 10 minutes calling me everything under the sun swearing at me calling me things like proud arrogant and unrealistic. He got so angry at one point he was screaming and spraying me with spit in my face as he spoke. I suppose that at least I could say fortunately at the same time, he shouted it so loudly, his voice was a bit like a hairdryer in my face at the same time. But let me just say, if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, this sort of thing is likely to happen to you. Maybe not in that form, but certainly in one form or another. And Jesus is very clear that that's what happened to him so we should expect it to some level to happen to us. Let me quote from you two other passages of scriptures which talk about this perspective very clearly so we can know it's not just Jesus speaking once in this or other people in the Bible talking about this. This is not an isolated thing Jesus is talking about. In John chapter 15, verses 18-21, Jesus is reported by John as saying this, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, and that is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you? A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. Now another passage teaching about the same thing. Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. In fact, this whole third chapter of 2 Timothy goes into this in some depth. But what both passages and Jesus himself points out here is that those who live a godly life, we need to understand that that means it's very likely that you will often suffer. Okay, so that's the situation that many of us will have to go through. But then we can ask again, what's the blessing? What will we get out of this? If we go through this, we'll look at what Jesus is quoted as uh, saying here back in Matthew. He says, Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now this is really helpful. First of all, it tells us to rejoice, and it also tells us that what our response to all of this should be. And then it reminds us we will one day have our great reward in heaven. Now there are two reasons given. As to why we should rejoice. Number one is we can rejoice because we can remember we're in great company. They persecuted the prophets, didn't they? And they often persecuted the great men and women of faith throughout the Old Testament, the ones who have come before us. But secondly, we can rejoice because we are told that we will one day gain a great reward. So, what is this reward exactly? Well, the truth is. It isn't mentioned here, so we don't know entirely, but I do know that what he promises us will be a great reward. We can trust that the reward will be worth receiving, and we can trust that because of his character that God will keep his promise to us. Therefore, our response can be that we rejoice and be exceedingly glad, as it says here. Now, we need to bear in mind that all the blessings so far in these Beatitudes, all of which we receive, initially, we will receive, we are told, in full measure once we get to stand before the Lord in heaven. Now some people tend to focus on what they think we will get right here and now, but that's not half of it, not at all. As Christians we try and live a life of peace and bring peace and blessing to others, and yet we see part of the response of the world to that will be that they will discriminate and even persecute us. And that's the picture that Jesus is painting here. In this opening section of the Sermon on the Mount, he's listed all these attributes, all these characteristics that he calls us to develop. And he tells us that there will be blessings and reward that we will receive in this life, but at the same time reminding us that we have to hold alongside that the tension of the fact that persecutions will often come. He says the attitude required is to be pure in heart. The attitude is to be peaceable to actually seek peace in our lives and to seek to bring peace between people. And by doing that, well, ironically, we'll get persecuted. As tough as it might be, friends, we cannot be driven by the criticism or even the gossip or slander of other people. We don't have to try and answer all the criticisms levelled against us. Our job as believers is not about pleasing people. It's simply about pleasing the Lord. And doing the best we can here to develop the characteristics described here of the follower of Christ. Described here and throughout this whole passage. And in the end, if we get it wrong, sometimes no matter can stand before God in the righteousness of Christ. And on that day, any bad stuff said about us will not amount to anything. So friends, aim to follow what Jesus has taught here. Aim to be pure in heart, humble, merciful and be aware of your own shortcomings but always hunger and thirst after righteousness. And you know what? Always try and seek the path of peace in everything you do. Then your great reward can be that one day you will stand before the Lord himself and inherit the blessings of a child of God. So I want to paint a final picture for you as we wrap up our time spent in the Beatitudes today before next week we go on to the next passage of Scripture. And I want to paint that picture for you by telling you the story of two children who were asked to produce a painting. One that they were called upon was to depict their idea of peace. One child painted a scene of a quiet lake nestled in a valley between two hills. There was no wind blowing even to ripple the waters. Nothing was seen to disturb the tranquillity. The other child painted a picture of an enormous waterfall with a huge oak tree hanging over the roaring edge of the waterfall. The tree's branches were being beaten and tossed by the savage wind and the tumbling water. But under the arch of one of the large limbs dangerously near the turbulent water, you could see the image of a tiny sparrow in a nest nursing her chicks surrounded by the roar and the danger of the wind and the waterfall was this little sparrow still undisturbed and protecting her chicks now that i believe is the true biblical picture of peace and that is the picture that jesus is painting here for us if i have a pure heart if i'm seeking peace Then the storms of life can rage outside. The winds can blow, the rain can fall, but I can still have peace with God. The storms of life will no longer have the power to do any damage to me eternally. Now, it doesn't mean I won't be buffered today, but nothing can happen that in any way can threaten to rob us of our eternal peace. The peace that that God has given us by a gift of grace through Jesus Christ, God's Son. Now, before I close this important passage of Scripture, I'd like to just say one more thing. What we've done is we've gone through all eight Beatitudes, and next week we'll pick up the text and begin to work through the rest of the Sermon of the Mind. But as we close this opening section off, I want to make two observations, because we've gone through a lot of important stuff these last nine or ten days. Stuff that we really need to take on board. Now I said right back at the beginning that a lot of people will compare this passage in the Beatitudes with the Ten Commandments. And I also stated how people can often name some, if not all, of the Ten Commandments. Some Christians can name most or not all of the Ten Commandments. But if I wonder if I was to ask even Christian believers to name all eight of the Beatitudes and explain what they mean and what the blessings that we will receive if they develop these godly characteristics, I wonder how many could actually do this. In fairness, the Ten Commandments are probably easier to remember. Don't lie. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't swear. Don't commit adultery. Don't have any gods before the one true God. Don't worship false idols. Don't covet what other people have. Respect your parents and keep the Sabbath. But probably even more profound and even more far-reaching in terms of their internal reach into our internal lives are what Jesus teaches here. So I'm going to try and make it as simple as possible to help you understand what they need by saying there are just two great things you need to walk away from these Beatitudes with. Number one is that Jesus is describing internal righteousness. As we go through the rest of the Sermon of the Mount, that's going to become more and more clear, even though I would say he made it unmistakably clear here in the Beatitudes, which is the introduction to the whole sermon. All of these Beatitudes in the final analysis have to do with us moving from just exhibiting external righteousness to having the right internal attitude. However we've reached this point where we've landed on this last one which is about being persecuted and it sort of doesn't fit in in quite the same way as the others does it? But if you look at it carefully what we can see is that when persecution happens it only happens on the outside it is external we can still remain blessed within. God blesses believers now internally but This passage is teaching he will reward us later eternally. Those who are dependent upon him spiritually are meek and gentle, don't show pride, have a continual intense desire for internal righteousness, live a life where we show mercy, have internal purity, and make constant efforts to live in peace with others and actually help bring peace between others. And if we are the people who rejoice in all circumstances, then we will be continually blessed internally in spite of any turmoil that might be ranging around us externally. But there's a second thing that's really worth understanding here. And this second one is critical. There is simply no doubt in my mind that in this passage, what Jesus is after is that you and I should manifest these characteristics and attributes being described here so that we will be blessed in this life but also understanding that the ultimate fulfillment the ultimate blessing will come in the fulfillment in the kingdom in the future you will experience it partially now but all these blessings will assuredly be completely fulfilled in the future so if you remember that these are internal attitudes that will get rewarded internally today but will be rewarded externally and in every way you can imagine later in the future. God will bless those who are dependent on him by giving them the very kingdom of God. God blesses those who are spiritually mourning for their own sinful state and the sin of the world by comforting them but comforting them not just today but with the promise of heaven in eternity. God also blesses the meek by giving them the promise of an inheritance of the earth which will happen when Christ returns to rule on the earth. And God blesses those who have a continual intense desire for internal righteousness with partial righteousness instinctive and intrinsic righteousness now today but completely imputed righteousness later when we stand before God and we can say we are right with God because what Christ has done for us and God blesses those who show mercy by being merciful in this life but ultimately being merciful at the judgment seat of Christ where the judgment of God will not fall upon us because we are in Christ And God will bless those who have internal purity, singleness of heart and unmixed motives when they stand before him because he will make us honoured servants. And God blesses peacemakers by proclaiming that because they lived in a godlike way, they will be recognised as godly in the kingdom that comes. And God will bless those of his disciples who are persecuted by gifting them the very kingdom of heaven and the greatest rewards that can be received in it. So here's my conclusion to this section, this opening section of the Beatitudes, anyway. In the Olympic Games, or the World Cup, or the Super Bowl of life, we are called not just to be a spectator, God wants us to be a participant. Don't just rest on the fact that through Christ you've been made right with God. Be a participant. Be a disciple. And we do that ultimately by developing these godly characteristics that have been mentioned here. And then you know what? We won't have to settle for the silver, for the fact that God is with us today. We can go for gold in the fact that God will be present with us in eternity. And we will receive the blessings, the gold the very crown of life itself. Okay there, there we are people. Thank you for staying with me. We've worked through this opening section of the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes and I do trust you've been blessed as much in hearing it as I have in preparing this teaching. And like I said, Have a look at the episode notes page. There's lots of links there to other ways you can connect with my ministry and also some other more formal structured teaching that I do there. And thank you again for joining me. I'm so blessed to know that there's so many of us who've made this commitment to make the study of the Word of God part of the rhythm of our daily lives. And if you are really feeling the benefit then please, friends, why not consider sharing it by sharing a link or a like to enable more people to find it, to see it, to be brought into an encounter with the Word of God where they too might make a decision to make the study of it part of the rhythm of their daily lives and thereby they might meet the Lord himself through his Word. But for now thanks again and I'll say bye-bye and we'll launch off next week into a new section where we'll be picking up at Matthew 5:13 and thinking about what Jesus tells us about how we might live in a world that is decaying all around us so that's it for today thank you so much for joining me and I'll see you back here very soon on the Bible Project Daily Podcast bye-bye for now